Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, do we have a treat for the people tonight? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we have somebody on that's going to talk about some things that's out there in the community, that's really out there in the community helping people. You know, we, we have so many people that's out there complaining, and they're always talking about what they you know, what they don't like about this and what they don't like about that. But when you have somebody that's out there in the community doing the work, I mean really doing the work and making things happen, you know, that's somebody you need to follow. And, Brian, I know that you, you're active in your community, but to see someone that's really uh, a city manager that's out there going from door to door, talking with people, trying to find out ways that they can make their life better. That says that says a lot, Brian. Yes, it does. You know, it's always been my contention that someone who's in a position of power really should be a servant rather than someone who just wields the staff. And you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. And and I think that's what we'll have with our guest tonight. He's the type of person where he doesn't go out and throw his weight around because of his particular position. What he does is actually because of his position, he's able to affect change in his community and he does it from a grassroots level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's just a novel approach at being a public servant. Mm-hmm. That you actually go out and you show the people that you are willing to truly serve them. Mhm. And Brian, he's also open to to speaking engagements, he's also open to talking with other city managers all throughout the world, uh, and and he he's available to do that. And I believe if you listen to the show tonight, if you don't listen to the show tonight and you hear it recorded, feel free to get in contact with him. And I guarantee you, the networking that you will do with him, you will will definitely you'll definitely be calling him to come in and speak to your staff or to come in and speak to your business because he's out there doing it. It's nothing like hands-on experience you know you can go to college and learn all this stuff but until you get out there and in the face of a one of the clients or the customers in the community that can't pay their phone bill i mean they can't pay their utility bill and they can't pay this or that and then they come to you and say i have kids at home if you cut my utilities off i i don't know what i'm going to do and this is a person that's in that position all the time and yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard, Brian, when you see the way the economy is right now, that someone is out there saying, you know what, I'm going to fight for these people. I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, you know what, let's change the, the date. Let's put let's roll it back so they can at least have some food to eat. Because, Brian, a lot of people right now are struggling and they have to make a decision, my utilities or food for the family. Exactly, exactly. You know, I was actually talking with my children about that today. You know, because we were talking about, you know, having a struggle. And I was telling them, I said, you don't want to have to struggle in life. I said, because there's some people, and, you know, my daughter said, are we struggling, Daddy? And I said, no, not at all. I said, we're not where we could be in life financially and, you know, and everything else, but we're nowhere near struggling. I said, you know, some people have to make a decision on whether they're going to pay their light bill or buy some food. And sometimes if they don't buy, if they don't pay the light bill, the little bit of food that they do have will spoil, so they have to go hungry one night just to keep the lights on. Yes. And Brian, so. the good thing, yeah. Brian, the good thing about our guest tonight, he's well-rounded. He's been out there in the law enforcement. He's been dealing with the juveniles of the world right now that a lot of people cannot connect with. He knows how to connect with these kids. He's been working with them for years, a number of years. And when you have someone that knows the juveniles in a city or in a community that can go from one house to the next house, and you know what, he probably had to arrest some of those same juveniles. But to be able to go there and have a relationship with their parents and say, you know what, uh, this blase blase, this kid got in trouble. I'm here to talk to you about it. We need to come up with a way that we can keep him out of trouble. You know, and, that, and that's something that in, in communities you don't have that now. But in the community that he's in, it's still there. 
even though he's a city manager and not the law enforcement person any longer, that that relationship with the families and the children are still there. How many times have you seen a city manager that was in law enforcement and knows how to connect on all levels? It's rare. It's, it's very you hardly, rare. Yeah, you hardly ever hear about that. So he's well-rounded in law enforcement. Now he knows the city manager's duties and all of these things about the community and ways to help. Why wouldn't you call him? Why wouldn't you get in contact with him? But, Brian, I'm going to hush. You, I'm going to let you bring him in. Yes, because I want to I want to just talk about some of the things that he's done. And uh, let's start off, first of all, let's give out the information for our show. You're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And tonight's show is entitled, Are You Ready for Change? And tonight's guest is the city manager of the wonderful metropolis of Gretna, Florida, Mr. Antonio Jefferson. And Mr. Jefferson was born in no, on November of 13, 1965, in Brooklyn, New York. And he spent most of his childhood in Midway, Florida. He's a devoted husband and a father of four and a 1984 graduate of Havana Northside High School. And, you know, I just read, as I'm reading this, I want to just talk about what he's done since graduation. He served active duty in the Marine Corps, uh, 10 years active duty in Marine Corps. I'm sorry, three years of active duty in the Marine Corps, 10 years in the Marine Reserves. I mean, he's done, he's been an infantryman, a training chief, an administration chief. He's done law enforcement since 1988, and he served as a correctional officer, correctional officer sergeant with the Florida Department of Corrections, a deputy sheriff investigator, and a sergeant with the Leon County Sheriff's Department, a law enforcement investigator with the Florida State Fire Marshal. Hey, I used to work there. <laughs> a police chief with the cities of Midway and Gretna and is currently a member of the Gaston County Sheriff's Department Reserve Unit. And he's also the city manager of Gretna, which we talked about, in which he specializes in root cause performance issues affecting organizational growth, individual and team performance, and outcome measurement. And he focuses on developing and and executing initiatives which will improve the delivery of government services for the citizens of the city of Gretna. Now, I said all this to say this. The person that I'm introducing tonight is truly a servant of the people. Mr. Jefferson, are you there? I'm here. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> I we thought we were going to run out of time. To have you. <laughs> Brian, I thought we were going to run out of time after reading everything that he's done. <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, just going through that, I can, I can tell that that's not everything that he does. That's just sort of a, an encapsulation of what he does for the people of Gretna and for the citizens of Florida. Yeah. You know, so I'll start the question off by asking this. When you were young, growing up in Midway, Florida, did you ever think that you would be in the position that you're in now? Never did, Brian. Um, <clears throat> it... it it has been a wonderful journey. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm well grounded in my faith, and I believe that that is the reason uh, for the roads that I've traveled and, and obviously for the results that have been produced for me both per- personally and professionally. Uh, when I was a young kid growing up in Midway, as in most rural towns in anywhere America, you know, not a whole lot to do. There's not a lot of uh, a small child doesn't do a lot of dreaming, even though you have some career ambitions. But at the same time, you you don't dream about the things, and and specifically for me, did not dream about the things that I I've done in my career. So it is. It, I never thought it, but it's been it's been a wonderful ride. And uh, and as I said, because of my faith, I I think that. You know the things that I've done have have actually been what I've been placed on earth to do, and and making connection with people in the community and the various aspects that I've I've, I've served in as a public servant. Right, uh, you, you know, Tony Antonio, when you 
look back over your life and you look back over all the things that you do on a daily basis and you look on television and you see the guys on television serving their country, you would think after a person leaves the military that they would come back and not be selfish but to say, you know what, this is my time. I've served my country. I've I've done all these different things in law enforcement. It, it's time for me to just be selfish and, and live my dreams. But you, you haven't done that. It's like no matter what you do or no matter where you go, you're still serving the people. Have you ever just looked back over the things that you've done and said, you know, it, it's my time? Well, I, I think that, you know, once you get a, a taste of, of serving the community and, and you see the outcomes of the things that you do, uh, and specifically, and, and, and I'll just tell you a brief story. Um, I, I spent eight months uh, in, uh, in the Desert Storm War uh, over in uh, Saudi Arabia and then a short time in Iraq. But uh, at the time that the ground war started, um, we, you know, uh, moved from Saudi Arabia into Kuwait and then on up into Iraq. But one of the things that struck me is as as our, as we moved, as our military movement went through Kuwait, uh, I was just astonished by the number of kids and the number of adults that were coming out beside the road to welcome us into Kuwait and 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 it, and it and it just just the power just the just the feeling of of seeing people that you've actually helped and you know maybe just in a small role that I played specifically but you know just seeing people there just knowing that you know you you came there and you you rescued them from from a tyrant or uh, some tyrants and and seeing that and making that connection while you know there was no voice communication it was very obvious that we were liberators and 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 I say that um with with a lot of feeling to it i mean because i mean i think that that's really what connected me and 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 really said to me that public services were you where you best and better serve that and i think that in life, you know, you don't do this public servant thing for money. It's it's just, you know, you want to do something for people that, you know, maybe you didn't have that opportunity to do. And and and, and most public servants make it a career. And 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 as I said, it, it's just, you know, having that, seeing and receiving that appreciation for the things that you've done. And and I mean, and I, I can I can stand on this soapbox all night, but. Uh, but but in reality, I mean, I'm I'm just grateful to 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 and honored that I could serve my community. And and one of the things that that I said as as a young adult was was that I was going to come back to Gadsden County and really try to do something and and improve the quality of life for a young person that was like me back in the early or early and late 80s in Midway, Florida, with nothing to do. So. Now is my turn to see if I can change the dynamics for the community in, in Gadsden County and, 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 and create some opportunities so kids can really dream and dream about the impossible and dream about the things that they want to do in life and not worry about, you know, is this a, can it be a reality? Mm. Mr. Jefferson, I want to stay on that a little bit. You know, let's talk about... Um, the city of Gretna and your community and, and the surrounding areas that you serve. You know, what are some of the issues that you see and, and some of the day-to-day issues you face as city manager? Well, we're not like most places in the state of Florida, and, and, and that's good in a way and then that's bad in a way. Um, our unemployment is relatively high, and, and there are a number of health-related issues that are that are prevalent. Um, because uh, Gadsden County is a predominantly African-American community, and, and I don't need to go into, you know, the things that plague African-Americans relative to, to health and the disparities in health. Um, but the uh, Gretna specifically is an interesting town because it, historically uh, the, the town's been split in, amongst its history, if I can say that. Um, prior to the the town was established in 1909, uh, and was predominantly controlled by by uh, by non African Americans. Right. 
and um and in the seventies that dynamic changed where it was predominantly controlled by african american i e the mayor and the majority of the commission were african american so uh, during the sixties and during the fifties you know Gretna was a different place and in nineteen seventy as i said it 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 dramatically changed and and we suffer from what you know big cities suffer from which was white flight you know mm-hmm. the, uh, whites left the community and blacks were left there unfortunately for for Gretna and for Gadsden County why everybody was making the shift because of the industrial revolution uh people in Gadsden County were still dependent upon the farm i.e. in tobacco and and then later dates, tomatoes, and, and different things in the agriculture arena. So now we're, we're seeing a shift where now agriculture is being predominantly controlled by, by Hispanic, um, and, uh, and now African Americans are left with and, and kind of feeling their way of, you know, what opportunities are out there for us. And, and you know, and for my community, the predominant, uh, employer is the state of Florida, either through Florida State Hospital or one of the state jobs in Tallahassee. So not a whole lot of things going there. And, and one of the things that in any community, you have to have certain things to to make the community a viable community, i.e. you've got to have things for people to work, live, and play. And then for Gretna, for since the, you know, well into the 60s, uh, the element of work and play were eliminated because of the agriculture, the change from the industrial, uh, from the agriculture component to the industrial revolution, and, and then now manufacturing and, and so forth and so on. So I say that to say that small communities like Gretna and anywhere in America, with you know that transition from the agriculture component to what's happening today. You know, it's slow, and then ultimately, you know, these small towns end up struggling because there's not a lot there uh, and a lot of things. So what we're trying to do now in Gretna is really explore doing things in a, in a, in a manner that's not traditional, you know, in creating relationships with people that can come in and build a community and sustain the community. Okay, okay. You know, and and I love that answer, by the way, because you, you gave such great detail of where you came from and where you are right now as a community. And I think that's important because when people look at a city like Gretna, you know, from face value, when they just see it, they're like, well, you know, Gretna's a small town, no big deal. But to the people that have lived there and have lived there for a long time, they understand that the trends are changing. And so this particular journey that you're on now with the city of Gretna is just another change and hopefully a change for the better. You know, here's my question. Do you think that because of the the educational woes that many of the people um, in rural communities don't, you know, because they don't have access to, you know, large educational facilities like, you know, universities and something like that. Do you think that because of that, you know, their lack of access to, you know, education, that they they, they tend to struggle more than larger cities? Well, I don't think it, Brian, to be honest with you, I don't think that it's the accessibility to education. I, I think that it is really just feeling uh some level of motivation about where you want to be at in life. And, you know, and, and I say that, you know, the elements of the community are, are is for our community, some of the things are missing, uh, the live and play, the work, uh, the and I, let me just take away for a minute the live, but the play and the work. But, you know, people have to be inspired that, okay, there is a better tomorrow. And and by far, I'm not saying that our great citizens uh, in Gretna are not inspired and don't look forward to tomorrow. But what I, what I say to you is if you come to a, a place that's been economically distressed for, for many years, not a lot of opportunities, people are not 
reaching out and going higher and beyond. And for those that are doing that, they're leaving and going elsewhere in the country to be successful. And when they return, usually it's in their retirement years. So a lot of the folks that may look around and look up or look to the left or look to the right to these folks, the you know, to as uh, inspiration to do bigger and better things is just not there. So in essence, what what we've got is a community that's just like a plant without fertilizer. You know, the plant will grow. I mean, it'll continue to live, but it can be it would be more productive if you if it had that piece of fertilizer and 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 so and that's what i'm saying that small towns like gretna uh throughout this country you know they're great places to live but because they're missing that fertilizer you know there's not a lot of energy there and and again and that's one of the things that we're trying to recreate in gretna and we're trying to get our citizens to see that okay you know, while times may be t- tough, you know, and, and especially during our current economic times, you, there is a tomorrow. And if you and if you believe and if you hope and if you dream and if you just think about what the possibilities are, you know, and and then reach up for that and don't pay attention to the environmental aspects of it because, you know, as long as you have something, as long as you have that will and that desire to achieve. If you put your little bit into the fold, then we'll all be successful. Yes, yes. Awesome. We're going to go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we'll have more questions for Antonio Jefferson, City Manager of Gretna, Florida. You've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We'll be right back. If you had to decide who deserves to go to college, who would it be? A single mom coming back to class with dreams of being a nurse? or a high school grad intent on a biotechnology career, a police officer learning more about homeland security, or an out-of-work technician who needs new skills to get a job. Every American deserves a chance for a better future, and community colleges are that gateway for millions of Americans. Our communities and local businesses depend on the students we educate. Today, enrollment at community colleges is growing dramatically, but funding to serve these students is not keeping pace. We need your support to keep the door of opportunity open for all. Important futures are riding on community colleges, including our nations. Community colleges, the face of America, the future of America. This message is from the American Association of Community Colleges. Here's an important message from Rev. Dr. Jeremiah A. Wright, Jr., Senior Pastor of Trinity United Church of Christ. Did you know that more than half of all the new HIV-AIDS cases reported are among African Americans? Our men, our women, and our children are at risk. We must put aside our fears, exercise our faith, and put an end to this deadly disease. Encourage testing. Learn more about HIV and AIDS. For testing locations, contact the CDC National STD and AIDS hotline at 1-800-342-AIDS. Good news. For the first time, black men are smoking less. That means more guys are putting down the smokes and picking up a healthier lifestyle. Smoking can lead to impotence and kills more people than AIDS, homicides, car accidents, and alcohol combined. So for those of you who quit or are trying to quit, way to go. For the others, it's never too late. For free information on quitting smoking, call 1-800-358-9295. That's 1-800-358-9295. And we're back with the Abundant Solutions Hour. Tonight's topic is, Are You Ready for Change? And tonight's guest is City Manager Antonio Jefferson. Mr. Jefferson. Mr. Jefferson, are you there? I think he might be on hold yeah, there. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there you go. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're listening to the commercials like we were, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, all right. I think Greg has a great question coming for us. Okay. Yes. Um, my question is, and when you start talking about dreaming and you start talking about motivating the people in your city and you start talking about the kids and the jobs and, and the kids having that, those resources there so that they can dream and it not only be a dream, that they can go out and they can achieve the things that they want. What are what are some of the things that 
you are telling the kids in your community about dreaming, about going to school, about opening their own businesses, and just being uh, self-sufficient in what whatever it is that they would you know want to do. Well, Greg, it's interesting you should ask that question. I, I, uh, about uh, maybe about eight weeks ago, I had an opportunity to be a guest speaker at a uh, at a youth um, uh, program. And um, one of the things that I told them was that, you know, a lot of the things that you do in life is really about the relationships that you create. And and if you ever want to have a positive outlook on life, it's really about the relationships that you create with those that are around you those that you like and dislike. And and I challenged these kids, and I said to them, I said, it's wonderful when you can go to somebody that you don't like and say, listen, you know, we've not always gotten along, but at the end of the day, I want you to understand that I I care about you and I care about myself. And, And I think that if we work together, if we talk, if we communicate, that we both can be successful because there's something that both of us have that that's unique, and um, I think that one of the things that I've seen in in my law enforcement field is a lot of kids that we deal with in the in the criminal justice side of the house are really just lost. Uh, they're lost because they don't understand the dynamics of relationships, and 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 they rather pick a fight to uh, rally with some others that 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 have similar type thoughts and behaviors than to go out there and make a connection and so one of the things like I said that that I love to tell kids is relationship building is the most important thing you'll ever do uh, school is important home is important Church is important, but at the end of the day, you're only as successful as the relationships that you build. And and, and I think that if people have a positive outlook on life, it's as a result of having positive things around them and making those positive connections and relationships and having people, having mentors come and say, look, you can do this. You can do whatever it is that, that, that you achieve. And go back and look at where you've been and and, and examine the outcomes of the, of your of your behaviors, whatever they may be, and see that you can go back and see where okay, well when I was making mistakes, everything in my life seemed to be going in the wrong direction. But when I was going out there and, and making those positive connections and building relationships with folks and, and not looking for a way to tear somebody down, everything in my life seemed to be going in in a better direction. Now, of course, I know there are a lot of other environmental factors that are involved in a kid making that connection and staying motivated and staying engaged. You know, but at the end of the day, I think that if if there's one thing that I tell folks, and, and just to sum up what I'm saying, is your outlook, your success in life, is really about the positive relationships that you create and sustain over time. Yes, that's awesome. And I think one thing that you said is so key, the communication part of it. That is a very important component that our youth and not only are you just people in general they're lacking in that communication if you don't have communication you can throw you can throw a relationship out the door because for you to have a relationship you have to have some type of communication and yes. I, I truly believe uh, Antonio that when we go into the jails and go into the prisons like Brian and I do we go in and we talk to the kids it's your approach that's most important when you you know you walk up to a child it's 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 the way that you approach them it's the words that you use they pay very close attention to what you're saying and they're watching your body language and you've been in law enforcement for so many years and doing the things that you're doing i think that the communication component that you know uh will help you 
as far as how you're dealing with people, other people in the community. And I say all that to say this. What ways do you think we can teach the kids and help the kids with their communication skills? Well, Greg, you know, I, I, I think that part of where we've not been successful in connecting with kids is is that I think that we start at the wrong place. And and, and I don't mean that universal to, to to every program in the United States. But I say this is that part of the problem with the individuals that, that you're visiting in these correctional facilities is is that we're not starting at the home. I was part of a, uh, a juvenile justice uh, roundtable that was held in Gadsden County here. It must have been now about a year ago where the chairman of the county commission brought together all of the partners in juvenile justice, i.e. the sheriff, the police departments, the state attorney's office, the public defender's office, the, the folks from the school system and from excuse me, community programs throughout the community and as well as cities and what have you. And, and, and one of the, you know, we were sitting around talking, you know, and those that are that are strong criminal justice advocates say, oh, well, we just need ways to, to lock these kids up and isolate them. And then we can, you know, beat these programs into their heads to, and get them to understand that this is the right way to go. You know, and one of the things that that I said to them is is that you know something. Everything that everyone has said here, whether it was you know these juvenile justice boot camps or some type of of uh, detention type of uh, or well, I'll call it inpatient therapy, uh, all of these things are great. But at the end of the day, if you don't start at the root of the problem. If you don't go and, and sit down with that parent, whether it's the grandparent, the aunt, the brother, the sister, the mother, the grandparent, whoever it may be, wherever that child's living at, and make that connection between that loved one and that child, and then begin to work from there on helping that child understand and making that connection, whether it's through mentoring or what have you. But I think that that's kind of where it starts. And unfortunately, you know, we've left that ingredient out of the cake of dealing with the family unit. Mm -hmm. And once we can make that connection to the family unit, then everything comes together. Once a mentor understands the parent as well as the child and the household environment, then it's easier for them to make that connection. And by far, I, I do want to say that I'm not discounting mentoring programs throughout this nation. I'm not discounting uh, Boys and Girls Club and, and all of these other type of programs. I'm not discounting their their impact. But at the end of the day, if we want to understand a child and understand how to make that connection, you got to start at home. And, and I know that all of us, Greg and, and Brian, I know we, we all said that, you know, you know the the everything starts at home you know if if a kid has manners it's because something happened at the house if a kid is is disruptive it's because something's going on at home but we've got to find a way to to grab and bring into the you know and not this thing of just saying oh well yeah this kid's from a bad neighborhood but no mentors need to understand that what's going on in that family unit and then you can make that connection with that kid and and hopefully turn that child around. And and these kids are they 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 the majority of them and, and I'm going to go out on the edge and say 95% of the kids that you and I have contact with can be changed. Yes, they can. But we've got to start at the root and not somewhere at at midpoint and try to figure out historical perspectives going back and not making that connection going forward. Yes, that's that's awesome. You you mentioned something about mentoring and you know the kids in the communities, they have a mentor, whether whether they accept that person or not, whether that person is good or bad, and we know that we can have bad mentors. A lot of times when we say mentors, we're always talking about a positive in a positive manner. But a lot of these kids have mentors that are just flat out teaching them negative things and they're falling behind them. 
oh, I want to be like this person because he's selling dope and he's doing this, or this person killed somebody, and that's their mentor and that's who they're looking up to. How would you, What would you say or how can we in any community around this great United States, how do you think we can find uh, great role models and mentors to look up to? That, I think that we've got to start with ourselves. Um, you know, it, and, and, and let me just talk about the African-American family unit, if I can. Um, and I know that all of your listeners are, are, are not African-American, but the, the, I guess this is just the best way to speak from, from my experience and my contact. Okay. You know, it, there's a big question we've got to ask ourselves. You know, one, are we going to be men? And 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 I say that, you know, with with the way it sounds. You know, are we going to be men? Because as an African American man, you know, I I have an opportunity or had an opportunity in my law enforcement career to to have contact with individuals at nightclubs and various uh, venues and and. And I often found myself asking, asking the question, why is it that we want to emulate all of the things that we see, that we make a connection to, to wealth, whether it's the car, whether it's the clothes, whether it's the jewelry, whether, regardless, these material things. And we go around and we worship these things. And, and at the I end of the... <laughs> excuse me, my dogs are... The, um, but but at but at the end of the day, we're worshiping all of these all of these things that are really not who we are. They're not part of our our, our fiber as a man. Right. And and I think at the end of the day, we've got to figure out how do we become real men. And and again, and I'm, I don't mean this for everybody that's listening to our program because I'm, by far I'm not saying everybody's not real men. But we, we've we got to have a reality check, you know, and, and the guys that are around us have got to have a reality check uh, because at the end of the day we're losing generations behind generations of kids because men – or people that are, are fathering these children are not taking care of their responsibilities. So at the end of the day, only a few of us are left with trying to raise not only our children, but other children, uh, other individuals' children. And, and, and it's not fair at the end of the day. But, but again, I mean, it, it is what it is, and, and we've got to take, take on the role that we have. But we have got to begin something in America that challenges uh, uh, venues like BT and, and all of these other things that seem to glorify material things. Because at the end of the day, our kids think that they are successful because they are able to buy a $150 pair of shoes or have an iPod or have an iPhone or this or that, these material things. Were in the, and then at the end of the day, there's nothing that takes them to the next level, that helps them in that school, that helps them in the community, that help them deal with conflict at the end of the day. But we've got to start challenging those things. And, you know, we say that, oh, okay, well, you know, we're a capitalistic society and, you know, people should be allowed to make money and, you know, and, and people should be allowed to spend 150 But at the end of the day, we don't understand as a people the value of money. And then that relates on to a whole lot of different other societal issues that's in our communities. But we've got to begin to make that connection and stop this thing of worshiping materialistic things and, and and let me let me just say this last thing when i was growing up as a kid and you know not too long ago because i mean i'm not that old i don't think anyway you know <laughs> my parents said if they spent fifty dollars on a pair of shoes i mean it, if they would do it if they would do it you know i mean it it, it would have to be short of a miracle you know, but it was because my parents said to me is is that you've got to understand the value of money. 
and understand that when you go out there and you spend that dollar, that dollar should bring some level of return, and not in just satisfaction, but something that helps you build into the future. And one of the things that I see right now is how many of these schools or these detention programs you go to, Greg and, and Brian, how many of these places actually teach financial management to young kids? Where kids understand the stock market, they they understand what happens in futures. They they can understand what's happening in our economy today. Why gas prices are the way that they are, but they're not teaching that. Not, at least not to African American kids, the ones that I have contact with. You know, but at the end of the day, if you don't understand the basics, and and I and I've got to say this, Brian and Greg, and I'm sorry for for being a little long winded. No, you're fine. The I went to a military school um, here several years ago, uh, and, it, and it was a leadership school. And one of the things that one of the instructors said is, is that if you ever want to be good at anything, I don't care what it is, always go back to the basics. Yep. Go back to the basics and master the basics. And if you go and make that connection and mastering the basics, and again, and that goes right back to what we've been talking about, going back and understanding the family unit at home, uh, teaching kids uh, the, the value of money, teaching kids the, uh, under, uh, and helping them understand the importance of developing relationships. And I say kids, but this is, these are, are things that adults can do. You know, all of those things are connected and and they will help us bridge, you know, over these troubled waters that we're experiencing now. But at the end of the day, you know, you have people like Tavis Smiley and others that, that go around the nation talking about, you know, the the state of affairs in our country today. But at the end of the day, we all go home to our little eight walls or have many walls in your house, and that's all we worry about, you know. Think about it for a second. When Greg, you, me, and Brian, when when we're eighty years old, you know, who's going to be taking care of us? Are we going to be looking back and depending on what's happening with the current generation? And so, in essence, what I'm saying now is, and 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 I know that your show don't go into politics, but the same energy that we're seeing around the presidential candidate, specifically Barack Obama. We need to see that same level of energy in everything that we do in building our communities around this nation and saying that, boy, tomorrow can bring what we thought that it could. Yeah, yeah. I want to go to a quick commercial break. and When we come back, I want to ask you some questions about values. All right, we'll be right back. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh! Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. I was the last one of all my friends to do it. After I did it my first time, I told everybody I had such a big mouth about it. You got all that energy flowing inside, and you go in and commit. 20 million women didn't vote in the last presidential election. This November 7th, do something really important for your country. Vote. It's a beautiful thing. Sponsored by Women's Voices, Women Vote, a nonpartisan organization that does not support or oppose any candidates. And we're right back with the Abundant Solutions Hour. And tonight's topic is, Are You Ready for Change? And tonight's special guest is City Manager Antonio Jefferson. Mr. Jefferson, you know, when I think about the values that people have now, I can definitely say, and Greg will more than likely agree with me, that the values that we have today are so much 
different than what we, you know, than the values that we had when we were younger. You know, before I can remember that dates did not consist of you taking somebody's daughter to the movies and, you know, you and and you're not there, you know what I mean, y'all come home whenever you want to or you out all night partying and you haven't graduated yet. You know, it, it, when I was young, a date was you went to the park <laughs> or somewhere out in the open where everybody could see you, you know. And the same token, there was no Internet, so you couldn't chat with your friends. If you wanted to talk with them, they had to sit on your porch in plain sight of daddy, <laughs> you know. Sure. And so the values have changed so much. And it's the same thing with the demographics, you know, of certain communities. They've changed a lot with those values. Do you believe because you're in a small town that your values have been somewhat uh, trampled upon because of, like you said, some of the issues of white flight, you said some of the issues of economic, you know, uh, lack of access to economic development and stuff like that. Do you believe that people's values have changed? And I guess my real question is, do you think that because of all the different factors that factor into small communities and the problems that they that are associated with it, do you think that people just don't have any values or their values are not like what they used to be? Well, let me – I'll be specific about my community. And uh, my community is 98% African American and then the other 2% are between whites and Hispanic. Uh, yes, our values in our small town has changed over time. It, uh, growing up as a young man, one of the things that I knew that that those that are around me and, that, and by far we weren't, you know, wealthy. I mean, we didn't, you know, some of the families that 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 um, that I interacted with their children. You know, folks didn't have cars. They didn't have central heat and air. You know, and I mean, so you know, I mean, by far, I mean, I didn't grow up in a middle class neighborhood or upper class neighborhood. But at the end of the day, one of the things that I knew that people did that they were proud of what they had. I mean, they they and they took pride in it. I mean, it may not have been much, but they took pride in it. Now it appears that in, in my same community, and I, and I mean Gadsden County as a whole, is is that in, individuals seem to want to keep up with the Joneses. You know, if you have a, if you have this model car, you know, then I've got to have this. And those that are not able to do the things that that, that I just mentioned, you know, are sitting around waiting for Uncle Sam uh, to to deliver the message of of financial freedom. Mean i.e. meaning depending on the government to say okay here's a new thing. Um, I have often contact with with some of um, individuals in my community that don't work and and these folks hang out on the corner, uh, drink beer all day and really just do nothing. Well, part of the reason that they say that they don't work is because their 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 mental capacity to work is 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 challenged. If I can if I can use that, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the things that 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 just you know really kind of it doesn't make me upset at the end of the day. I mean, I want to seem like I'm not compassionate, but one of the things that 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 really rubs me the wrong way. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Is is that these folks are okay with just waiting for somebody to come and give them that next handout, and then they complain about everything. I think one of the things he said in the opening is, is is that people just sit around and complain about everything, you know. But at the end of the day, they this gentleman that I'm referring to hasn't done anything to promote his own financial independence. And but at the end of the day, whenever we've done things to change the way our community looks, i.e., meaning we're not allowing loiterers to hang around the stores and drink openly in the public, you know, they're so offended by that. And you know, and and I had a conversation with this gentleman, and, and we were talking about 
you know, his drinking habits. And we were talking about, and he mentioned to me, he says, well, you know, I only get $700 a month in, in financial assistance, and it's hard to live on 700 bucks." And I said, okay, well, I understand that. I can agree with that. You know, but at the end of the day, how much money do you spend in beer a month? He says, oh, about 300 bucks." And But at the end of the day, and just going back to your values question, it just seems like that, you know, folks have said that, okay, it, it makes no difference whether I don't have anything or I don't have the ability to to do the things in life at least that are within my reach. I'm okay with just 700 bucks a month, 300 bucks on beer a month, and then whatever I've got left, and, and, and then at the end of the day, depending on the government to do. So, yes, our our, 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 our values have changed, and, and our values have really changed in the direction, in, at least in my community, of these materialistic things. And that's one of the things that we're trying to change in the community and really just trying to help people understand is is that, okay, yes, I may not have much, but what I have, along with what my neighbor has, you know, whether it's financially, regardless of whether it is sweat equity or whatever, you know, my community can be a village where we, where people reach across property lines and help one another, regardless of one what we're doing. We've got a community garden in Gretna, and one of the things that we've done is, is said to the community, look, you know, it's open to you. You come in here and you pick what you want. And we'll also pick or we'll pick and we'll deliver that to people that, that are not able to. You know, but just building and sustaining the community and helping people realize that, you know, everything is not doom and gloom. You know, yes, it's tough times. Yes, gas is $3.50 a gallon. But at the end of the day, working together, helping each other, you know, and, and and I know that people that are listening to me tonight will say, oh, well, you know, that, that helping people and, you know, love thy neighbor and all that, that sounds good, but in reality it doesn't happen. But somebody's got to be committed to it. You know, it, you can take any of these companies that in Fortune 500 companies, you know, if you if they didn't have a visionary person, whether it was Jack Welch or whoever, you know, these these companies would be nothing. You know, how would they produce a product? You know, how how would they do anything if somebody wasn't saying, okay, here's how we get to the next level? And and again, and that's one of the things that we're trying to trying to wage in on in Gretna, and and, and we're hoping that it spreads and and creating and going back to to what I said originally, developing key relationships. And uh, one of the things that we're focused on in Gretna is really developing solid public-private partnerships where we go to the business community and say, hey, we know you're making good money here and we're going to do things, whether it's, our, whether it's through our permitting process or whatever. We want to make all of these things easy for you. But in the end, we want you to come back not only today, but we want you to make investments over time in this community. And I'm not just saying hiring people from this community, but you spend some of your profits back into this community. So again, what's happening here is is that we're building families. We're building that next generation of workforce that's going to help you in your company because you've come back and reinvested in our community. Yes, yes. You know, I was going to ask you about that, and you kind of alluded to, um, you actually answered most of my question, but I was going to ask you, with the budget crunches that's going around, you know, going along around the state, as well as, you know, um, the different cost of living increases and the higher, you know, gas prices and the higher, you know, cost of doing business. What are some of the things that your community and what are some of the things you're doing in in your community to kind of offset that and still provide those needed services? So the idea of the community garden is a novel approach because you bring them closer together by, you know, get, providing a service that pretty much everyone needs. Right. We have about six minutes left. I want you to talk a little bit more about some of the things that you're doing um, to bring those, you know, those root causes together so that they can, you know, uh, so that you can actually bring and affect some change. Well, you know something, Brian, is interesting, and, 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 and I'm going to use a little um, saying that my city attorney 
uses rather often. He says, you know something, you know, what we're doing in Gretna is like a football game. But one of the things that has to happen before you start is is that you've got to look like you've been in the end zone before. <laughs> and uh and and that's what we're doing in Gretna. Is we're, we're really trying to to trying to present an image that we've been in the end zone before. And 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 going forward and 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 all of us see the challenges and one of the 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 weaknesses that Florida has is is that we depend heavily on property tax revenue and sales tax revenue to to fund our cities and counties and other local governments and now that people have less disposable income because of the price of fuel and because of the higher price of groceries now local governments are being asked to do more with less and i mean and, and when i say that i mean they are really being asked to do more for less so what's what has to happen is something that 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 has gone on for years but really the what's being brought to the table has not been realized has not been captured you know into anything that somebody could say that sustained a community and when i say that i mean developing and having good public private partnerships and i talked about businesses reinvesting in the community that is that's going to be the wave of the future where businesses and 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 I know yes businesses pay property tax they pay corporate taxes they do all of these things but I don't mean that that that's something that we all do in one form or another cuz we pay property tax we pay income tax uh but at the end of the day I mean going out there and making an investment one of the things that we've done in Gretna is we've we've developed a capital projects list and as these new businesses and, and our existing businesses are coming to the community, we're saying, look, okay, pick whatever you want off of this list, and this is your project, and this is how you're going to help sustain this community because our people, you know, are going to be there to support your business, whether it's through work, whether it's patronizing, whatever. But at the end of the day, you need to create something for them in return. You know, yes, property taxes are, 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 are a thing that's out there, but at the end of the day, we've got to have something that's going to continue this community, sustain this community. But in return for that, we're going to make it easier for you to do business in this city. Because one of the things that government does well is is that we know how to create bureaucracy. We know how to create bog down. And, and sometimes I wonder, and, and I have an opportunity to watch a lot of governments, either through access channels or when I'm visiting in other places, you know, one of the things that I know that we're good at is making things harder for people to do with, through our laws. You know, and we say that we have simplified processes, but we don't. You know, so in 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 my county, you know, it takes some businesses upwards to two years to do all of the permitting uh, processes to to get into business. So we want to eliminate that. So we're going to create an opportunity where you can get into business quickly and you can do your business effectively because we have found a way to take the red tape out of government and, and, and make it a lot a lot better for you to do business in our community. And in return, we want that investment. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Antonio, we have about a minute left. Can you give out your contact information? We know you're available sure. for speaking engagements. Like I said, we have about a minute left. Sure. Uh, my contact information by email, you can contact me at ajefferson at mygretna.com. That's ajefferson at mygretna.com. Or you can feel free to call me in the office at 850-856-5257. That's eight. Five zero eight five six five two five seven. Okay, I'll let Brian close us out. Awesome, awesome. You know, awesome we want to show. thank you first for joining with us tonight. Um, we're honored to have you, of course, and we're glad you served our country for us. And I want to end with on this note: Are you ready for change? You know, it's been said that if you don't, if you're, if you see change coming, and you're not ready for it. It doesn't matter because it's going to change anyway. 
So why not get prepared now? Prepare yourself for change. Arm yourself with information. Wake up from the dream. You know, focus on your goal and then create your reality. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we hope that you join us again on Wednesday night when we have another power-packed, eventful hour for you. Thank you, good evening, and God bless you. Blog Talk Radio.